Welcome to Stacy on the Right with your host, Stacy Washington. Welcome to Stacy on the Right on Urban Family Talk and American Family Radio. I'm Miki in for Stacy. Thank you so much for listening today. I'm going to talk to my husband, Will the Great, who is probably the person I prefer to talk to um, <laughs> as compared probably to anybody. The well, I mean, you know, you always want to be I careful. Mean, I do have a mom and I do have kids and yeah, I guess you yeah, have the same yeah. kids. Um, <laughs> anyways, <laughs> no, I do. I do. I prefer talking to you. Um, but wanted to talk about today on the show, among other things, the Marriage, Family and Life Conference that we've got coming up August 17th and 18th and invite mm-hmm. uh, the Stacy on the Right listening audience to attend that conference, which will take place at our headquarters, American Family Association headquarters in Tupelo, Mississippi. And um, you have an opportunity to join with other believers and have your marriage and family strengthen and get in, get involved in the life issue that is the civil rights fight of our day. People want to deny that, but it just is the civil rights fight mm-hmm. of our day. So much of what we are learning, and most recently there was a study out about black men making it in America and what mm-hmm. that means for black men to be making it in America. And then there's also another study out that shows, <laughs> which is, again, interesting, Uh, White households that are headed by high school dropouts are three times wealthier than black families led by a college graduate. And the reason I'm tying all of that together as I invite you to attend the Marriage, Family and Life Conference is that there are some common threads woven through all of that. And one of them chiefly is that marriage is important that it is really the backbone of any healthy society. And I would say any healthy family, uh, you understand the way God has designed marriage. And so to that end, we have put together, I think, a conference that's going to be an incredible blessing to the body of Christ. Those who are able to look out across the landscape and see what's going on, uh, you're going to want to come and join us August 17th and the 18th um, in Tupelo, Mississippi. You can find out more about it at urbanfamilytalk.com, urbanfamilytalk.com, get registered Um, Get your kids registered. Uh, We're doing something unique, Will, with kids Mm -hmm. for the Marriage, Family, and Life Conference, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. We're having a conference within the conference for kids ages uh, 4 to uh, 12. And so the thing is, we want to make this a conference where the whole family uh, will be able to come. And so we have uh, some teachers there. Miss Maria Hamilton is going to be overseeing that. And it's going to be apologetics. It's Mm going to be things that your, your children... Uh, we'll learn there. It won't just be like a babysitting type thing, but uh, actively learning about some biblical concepts and things from the Bible. And so it should be a, uh, just a great uh, informative time, but a growing period for the kids as well. Yeah. You know, so we want to make sure that the whole family was covered because a lot of times you have conferences and it's kind of like, well, what am I, what am I going to do with my kids? Yeah. You know, I got to yeah. arrange for something, but you can bring your children to this conference and uh, we have something available for them. Absolutely. And just so that our listeners are aware of this, Maria Hamilton is the wife of uh, American Family Association's public policy analyst and legal counsel, Abraham Hamilton III. So if you recognize the last name Hamilton, that would be the relation there. And uh, and she brings with her a great passion and wealth of knowledge on apologetics that she's going to impart to your children. And I'm already excited. There are so many kids who are already registered um, to attend for free with their parents. Mm-hmm. If your kids are mm-hmm. under the age of 18, they get to attend the conference for free. But if they're between the ages of four and 12, then they get to go to a unique conference within a conference um, suited just for them to kind of shore them up, to equip them to know and be ready to give a reason for the hope that lies within them. 
cannot mm. stress enough why it's so important for us to equip our kids to be able to do that. So go check it out. UrbanFamilyTalk.com. UrbanFamilyTalk.com. You can get registered there. Registration is only $35 per person. Mm-hmm. It's priced so that you can attend. It's not an indication of what you're going to get. We wanted to make sure that as many families that wanted to be a part of this conference were able to be a part of this conference and that the cost of the conference was not an impediment to them. Right. So anyway, urbanfamilytalk.com, go and get registered there. We hope to see you um, less than a month away. Yes. Less than a month away. Man. August 17th and 18th. And I was just going to say it's so important that we have a, a focus on these topics, you know, marriage, family, life. You know, they're so important uh, to, like you're saying, to the, you know, our society. And when you think about marriages, you know, and the suffering that's going on in households and different things that are happening, you know, we're hoping that we can be an encouragement on that front. Yeah. And also, you know, educationally about life and that fight, you know, uh, for life, you know. And so I think it's going to be a great, a great time. I think there is a real opportunity for the information that's going to come out of this conference to really change the trajectories of families. I Mm -hmm. I really believe that, and I I don't want to overstate it, but I think that what we don't commonly understand, Will, is the importance of the family, the importance of an intact family. And even, let me say this, navigating from a place of brokenness because we live in a world where there is brokenness, where there is hurt. There's been attack on, on the family. And so now we're navigating. What do we do after the attack? What do we do after the crumbling? And I believe that this conference is going to help with the tools that you need, the resources to keep moving forward. We have said over and over again. And at one point we were prompted to say this because of the question, whatever it is that is your family makeup, this is the Marriage, Family, and Life Conference. And we recognize that there, there's, there is brokenness. You understand mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And so, that, for example, there was a question of what if you're a blended family? Can you come to the Marriage, Family, and Life Conference? And then my question would be, well, is that your family? Mm-hmm. Then bring your family yeah. to the Marriage, Family, and Life Conference because this is for you. This is for every believer who wants their family equipped. You want your kids equipped. We want to be a blessing to the body of Christ. And I think this conference is going to be that. So anyway, urbanfamilytalk.com to get registered. Urbanfamilytalk.com. We want to see you August 17th and 18th. And just a note too, it's all day on Friday. A lot of times conferences start like Friday afternoon and then kind of go into Saturday. But just so that you can be aware, it is in fact all day on Friday. So you're going to want to have that Friday off and then it's half day Saturday. August 17th and 18th, Tupelo, Mississippi, Hope Church. Just go to UrbanFamilyTalk.com and get all the information there and get registered. Okay, Will, how do we close in this huge wealth gap that exists in our country? What is going on? Why do we keep getting the short end of the stick? Who do we need to blame? Who do we need to protest? What streets do we need to march in? Why is it that black College-educated students are not doing as well as white high school dropouts. Who's to blame? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think there's a, there's a lot of people that, you know, you would want to blame. But when I look at it, we have to look at ourselves, I feel like, in the community to see what have we not done or what are some of the things, you know, that uh, we can take personal responsibility for. Mm-hmm. And I would start as with what we were just talking about. Yeah. Marriage. <laughs> Marriage is an indicator of success. Mm-hmm. And so we have a, a husband and wife, you know, a married couple, and they have children. They are more likely to succeed than someone who, you know, just left out on their kids or mm-hmm. single parent homes and things like that. So I think when it, when it comes down to it, if you have a high percent of uh, a high percentage of uh, children being born into families uh, with one parent, 
Mm-hmm. Man, that's already starting at a disadvantage. And, yes. I can, and I'm not going to blame a white person or some other people because of that. You mm-hmm. know, that's something that we can fix. So I would say one of the first things is getting our families back on track. Uh, it, it used to be like that in the black community where yeah. families were intact. You know what I'm saying? And, 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 and you had the mom and the dad there. You know, so much has changed. But that's a, a that's a huge start. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about some of the information that came out in this study. So you've got the Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis Review, which collected data um, during the time period of 1989 to 2013, right, where they looked at um, the mobility of college educated black folks versus the mobility of non college educated white folks. And what they found was that the income and that your chances of achieving greater wealth by comparison was not helped just by going to college, that there were other factors that affected whether or not you do well in society. Mm -hmm. One of the factors affecting that is basically the way you go to college. Mm -hmm. So essentially, what is your family makeup? What's your family structure before going to college? Um, It seems that this study was suggesting that college does not erase your past. It does not Mm -hmm. erase whatever impediments may have been in your past or whatever obstacles that may have been there. What are your takeaways regarding that? Well, I think in in the black community, you know, college has been made to be an idol. Mm -hmm. And so it's almost like that's the way out. You know, that's the way... And I'm not saying that uh, people should not go to college, but I think there have to be more of a consideration of uh, some, you know, technical uh, careers or some what is a person or child bent towards and how can we facilitate that and not have so much debt? Because a lot, you know, we will go to college and have all these student loans, you know, and sometimes don't leave with a a degree. You know what I'm saying? Right. And so there have to be another way of thinking about how we educate and not have uh, college as an as an idol that everybody must go this way. Everybody mm-hmm. has to have this, you know, bachelor's, this master's degree because there are a lot of people who make it, you know what I'm saying, without having that degree, but they have some other form of training, you know yes. what I'm saying, hands-on. And I think in our communities, we have to look at that, you know, so that uh, we can begin to create wealth that can be passed down to mm-hmm. generations because out of that spring forward entrepreneurship and jobs, That's right. you That's know, that right. you would create based upon what God has geared you to do. And mm-hmm. so that just had to be a shift in thinking. And I think, you know, th- there is something about sort of the status symbol that becomes college education. Mm-hmm. So it becomes this 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 status symbol that we kind of wear on ourselves where we say, I'm college educated. Mm-hmm. And what that's supposed to mean is that I'm smarter than you or as smart as you. One of the two. Right. Mm -hmm. But what we have failed to realize is exactly what you were suggesting, that you have other means by which to um, use your smarts. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. You have other means by which to use the ability that God has given you. And one of the things that I think you touched on that's really important, Will, is that when you really step back and consider what you can do with a trade and what you can do with some of the ability that God gives us to Mm -hmm. use our hands, not saying that people who go to college don't use their hands. Of course, doctors come to mind and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, You talk about advanced degrees and and, and other things of that nature. Mm -hmm. But what we don't consider is the type of job creation that comes from the entrepreneur 
What we don't stop to consider is the ability to then pass something down to the generation that's coming after you. And I think if we were able to get to a place where we understood all that was involved in sort of creating a successful outcome for our offspring, Mm -hmm. we wouldn't just stop at the collegiate level. Do you see what I'm saying? Right. Right. I agree. And uh, personal experience. I know my grandfather tried to do that. He had a landscaping business. Mm-hmm. Uh, he would do different things. And he passed that business down to his uh, his sons. You know, they ran it for a minute, but some uh, a couple of them wanted to do some different things. But uh, but I think that mindset has to be explored more. Like, what can I do that can be passed down? Because it's, it's a, a, a honor and a privilege to be able to bless, you know, generations beyond you. You know, mm-hmm. and I think we have to not just think about today and what I can get right now. We got to yeah. de- delay that gratification, all that kind of stuff, you know, yeah. and, and be able to see beyond just today to our children's children. Mm-hmm. And the Bible talks about that, you know. Uh, and, and so I think there has to be a shift in mindset and also getting back to like being inventive. Like I think we have yeah. creative ways that we can uh, uh, create wealth and, and do different things. And, and it may not be the, the college uh, uh, you know, way of going. You know, it may be a different path that you go. You know, and I'm not saying that no one should go to college, but I'm saying, man, we have to have discernment to know and to see, and even in our kids, where are they bent towards, and how can I facilitate that? Yeah, you know, I think can I? So I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a controversial statement, I guess, just a little bit here, but and and I want us to talk about it and kind of. Um, maybe unpack my statement and push back on a little bit. Mm-hmm. But somehow we have gone through a shift in our culture whereby we think that um, working with your hands or, you know, that 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 somehow is not a desired outcome. Mm-hmm. That you've got to be the person who if you're if you're thought of as successful, you've got to be the one who's calling shots. You're the one who's telling other people what to do. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and somehow we think in our minds that that means um, going to college. So you earn the right to be the person um, who comes into the business and you just tell the other person what to do. What we have lost in our culture, what mm-hmm. we have lost, um, I would say, even in our workforce, is this appreciation for the person who maybe doesn't bring a bunch of letters behind their name when they come to a company or an organization, but they start at the bottom. Some people will call it sort of start in the mailroom, right? Mm-hmm. And then they work their way up through that company and become successful and often will achieve what, you know, you're four years kind of in holding. Yeah. <laughs> you understand right. what I'm saying? And there's no guarantee, no guarantee that you're going to come out with the kind of experience that this person who's been working and laboring within this company brings to the table, mm-hmm. thereby making them, I would say, a more valuable CEO, if yeah. you will, than the person who comes with a college degree. Yeah, I agree. We don't think about that too often. Mm-hmm. I want to talk a little bit more about this when we get back. Uh, this is Stacy on the right. I'm Miki filling in for Stacy. Will the Great, my husband, joins us when we return. Stay close. Hi, I'm Will Addison. And I'm Miki. From airing the Addisons on Urban Family Talk. We'd like to invite you to the Marriage, Family, and Life Conference coming up August 17th and 18th. The list of speakers is amazing. We have Ryan Baumberger of the Radiance Foundation, Dr. Clarence Schuler of Building Lasting Relationships, Abraham Hamilton III, Pastor Bert Harper and his wife Jan, Stacy Washington, Lonnie Poindexter, Pastor Dexter Sanders, and we'll be there too. There's a direct attack by the enemy on marriage and family, and babies in the womb are treated like political footballs instead of life. We want to encourage and equip the body of Christ to fight for the restoration of the family. 
If we can get our families on track, a lot of society's problems could be solved. The Marriage, Family, and Life Conference is from Urban Family Communications, a division of the American Family Association. You can learn more and register at urbanfamilytalk.com. Hi, I'm Crawford Loritz with a Legacy Moment. Sometimes I get so immersed in the challenges and the secondary stuff of life that I wonder, how much of a difference am I really making? Then I'll get a letter like I got the other day from someone who heard me speak at a conference more than 10 years ago. He told me that when I spoke, he gave his life to Christ and recommitted himself to his marriage. Today, he has a wonderful family and he's in the ministry. Boy, did that ever put wind in my sails. We were created for a purpose, to express meaning in and through our lives, and we all need to be encouraged. I love 2 Chronicles chapter 15, verse 7. In fact, sometimes I sign my letters with this verse, especially if I'm writing someone I sense might need a little word of encouragement. Listen to these words. But you be strong and do not lose courage, for there is reward in your work. Aren't those sweet words? I want to make three observations from this wonderful, encouraging verse. Number one, don't focus on the negative. That's found in the contrasting phrase, but you. Just prior to that, there's a description of some pretty bad circumstances, and yet God says, but you. I don't know what you're faced with today, but don't focus on the negative. Focus on the possibilities of what God can do. Number two, decide to be strong. He says, but you be strong. It's a command. Make the decision. I'm going to choose strength. And then thirdly, focus on the reward. What you do, if it's for Christ, does not go unnoticed. You will be rewarded. Well, here's what I want you to remember today. Take courage. And if someone has been a blessing to you, tell them about it too. They could use the encouragement. Thanks, Crawford. And thank you for listening to today's Legacy Moment, a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Global Ministries. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right. As we are clipping through information, I do want to move on to some other things. Um, by the way, I'm Miki in for Stacy, and my guest is my husband, Will Addison. Hey, Will. Hey. Thanks. <laughs> thanks so much for joining me. No problem. Um, as I'm filling in for Stacy today. All right. So we were talking about this new report that's out that finds that um, black college educated professionals don't mm-hmm. do as well as white high school dropouts. In fact, the study found that uh, white American high school dropouts are three times wealthier than black American uh, college graduates. Um, mm. The temptation here to look at this and to say, you see, this is the result of systemic racism. Right. The temptation to look at this and to say, you see, black people are victims. It's because <laughs> of slavery that we're mm-hmm. not able to do. Uh, but when you actually start reading the study and right. digging into it, as you did, you find that the reason this is such that it is, is not it's not systemic racism. No, no, it's not slavery. It's family structure. It's, it's family structure. As a matter of fact, if I uh, want to read real quick, it said, uh, it's part of this uh, study, it said, some have proposed that lower black educational attainment is due to lower family investment in their children's education in terms of non-monetary uh, investments, such as day-to-day interactions, promoting education and opportunities to build cultural capital. This is untrue. It said, after controlling 
or household type and socioeconomic status, families of color are more likely to make significant non-monetary investments investments in their children's future education. Mm-hmm. Instead, the overall investment gap is due to very different household composition and mm. resource availability between white and black households. This tells wow. me that there's a different difference in the family structures. Yes. I mean, can we say fatherlessness in a lot of right. the homes? And you wouldn't be able to, you know, pass down that capital generationally, you know, if you if you have one parent struggling to make it, you know, so some of this stuff we call systemic, you know, is 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 as the system against us, but some of it is just a lack of morality as far as marriage, family, right. you know, and seeing the success that comes from being married. So the composition yeah. of the the the, the uh, households were different, and that tells me that that's something uh, way deeper that has to be dealt with. And it makes sense, doesn't it, Will? When you think about um, a a two family or a two parent family as God intended, one mm-hmm. man, one woman raising kids, you think about the amount of stability that that provides for children. You think of the amount of uh, stability it provides for the husband and the wife that mm-hmm. they those two are there and that they can count on and depend on each other. And and I would say looking to the Lord together, but there is accountability there. So usually you have two people yeah. where maybe one is a little bit of a spendthrift. They mm-hmm. always want to go out. And then you have the other one who maybe a little more conservative who helps to kind of, um, you know, curtail what might be some of the frivolous spending that threatens those future generations. But if you don't have that, and certainly you have a diminished income, Mm -hmm. because when we talked about the study of black men making it in America, one of the things that we found is that when you have an intact family, marriage becomes almost the number one indicator that a person is going to be successful. I mean, it's it's remarkable how much marriage provides a premium in life. Mm. In fact, they call it the marriage premium. We don't want to see that, though, Will. We don't want to talk about composition of family. Mm-hmm. It's often just easier to blame blame someone else for the deficit. Right. How can we really deal with these problems if we don't take a certain amount of, and I know people hate this, personal responsibility well they're not going to be dealt with if we don't do that and i think it starts with you know i I know we talked about on our show how you know uh black americans tend to be higher and going and church attendance and things like that Mm -hmm. but i think when when, so if that's the case what what should be preached in the churches should line up with scripture about issues like this i think a lot of people don't find practical help sometimes in churches and i think we have to teach that marriage is best, you know, and why practically and biblically, spiritually speaking, you mm-hmm. know, that if you want success, you know, man, you, you need to uh, be married, have children after you're married. There's yes. c- certain things that are going to make for, you know, success. And I think in our churches, we've probably done a bad job of holding up marriage the way that we should and teaching our, our uh, kids, you know, what to look for as they as they get older. And so I think we could do a better job of, of preaching that, even mm-hmm. our personal responsibility. I think that there are, there are things that we can talk about. You know, if a man don't work, he don't eat. That's in the Bible. Right. So, I mean, That's you know, Bible. those are things that, you know, I believe that we as the body of Christ can begin to instill into our children, you know, and so they, so they would have that uh, success as they go forward, you know, in their lives. 
You know, this article looks at how um, when there is a deficit in the family, that deficit actually gets passed down to the next generation. Right. So if you have a family structure that starts out at at a disadvantage, then that disadvantage um, often gets passed down to the generation that comes after it, and it just keeps getting passed right. down. Right. And they have this term in this study that they call uh, sedimentation of inequality. Mm-hmm. So essentially, they're looking at the layers of inequality. I think that there will be people who will be tempted to look at this sediment and believe that someone else is responsible. But the Mm. study itself actually points to the family structure being largely responsible for how the next generation starts out. I mean, it just seems really clear to me, Will, that the Bible not only provides us the best parameters for living, but then we are rewarded for abiding by those parameters. Mm. There are generational blessings when we abide by the word of God, we apply it fully. And I would say the converse is true. Unfortunately, we don't like to hear it, but there are, you hate to say curses. Maybe we should use it. Let's say, so there are blessings and then there are consequences. How about that? We'll, we'll uh-huh. soften it up. There are consequences. I mean, yeah. Okay. I want to, but I don't <laughs> want people saying I'm not cursed. I'm, what I'm saying is you will be responsible for certain outcomes that I think it would make us feel better to blame someone else, but really it comes back to us. Right. This article, and I want to get your take on this, mm-hmm. this, this study um, points out, you know, families passing down wealth, mm-hmm. families mm-hmm. passing down um, an inheritance or there being money that, you know, uh, parents are able to pass down to their offspring. Mm-hmm. Why is it that I think some black people might read this study and say, well, you know, we're just at a disadvantage. We don't have money to pass down and, and maybe see it as unfair that whites are passing down money and resources to their kids. Uh, while black families are not. What's the problem with that thinking? Well, I think that's unfair. I think, you know, the, the attitude shouldn't be, you know, uh, well, I'm looking at this white family and, 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 and why do they have more resources? The attitude should be, okay, what do I need to do to make sure my family has the resources it needs, you know, going forward so that, you know, we can start this cycle. Instead of looking at others and saying and, and, and you know, wanting what they have in, in the sense of you give you give to me, you know, I think this is a great opportunity, opportunity to see like, man, there's some things that are lacking that I need to show up for my family. Mm-hmm. And then we can start this cycle. Like uh, one of the things that stuck out to me in this study, this is black college students tend to, to have higher debt burdens and lower incomes. It is likely that this wealth drag uh, drag is even greater for them, leading to lower wealth accumulation and less ability to support yes. their own uh, children's educational aspirations, contributing to sedimentation of inequality. Now, I will ask the question, I put in the margins, why, though? Why do we have more uh, debt burdens? You know, some of mm-hmm. that could be because we borrow more money in college. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. We have those mm-hmm. loans that we have to pay, and, they're, they're, and because we don't only borrow the money just for school, you know, it's for other things That's right. too as well. Like so so I think there are reasons why some of this stuff is happening and we can't yeah. look and blame other people uh for why we don't have, but it's a great opportunity exactly. to say, okay, what do I need to do? Another part says studies have shown that financial gifts from parents to adults comprise at least twenty percent of wealth. 
and inheritance accounts for up to 50% of total wealth in the United States. And I mm-hmm. thought in uh, of this, it's Proverbs 13, uh, 22, about passing down inheritance to your children's children. You know, this is the what we should be looking to do. And, and if, if it's saying that uh, 20% of the wealth is, is gained through inheritances, well, well, it's telling me that, man, I need to make sure that I'm laying up an inheritance for my my kids, you know what I'm saying? That's Not right. only spiritually, yes, spiritually, yes, but also financially. What can I do mm-hmm. to make sure that I'm not passing down debt, that they're not inheriting debt. Yeah. A lot of times, that's the inheritance, debt. Yeah, <laughs> you know? that's right. But that's right. We and, don't, you that's know, not what we, we want to do for our kids. No, you're absolutely right. And and I would say this, in addition to what to what you're laying out, I think that there are some practical steps that we can take right now that involve a little bit of, um, you know, (laughs) delaying gratification. It involves a little bit of self-control. I think too often when we have money, we don't see um, the proper use of that money. Mm -hmm. In other words, I think what tends to happen is we spend because we can. Mm. So we have it. So we spend it. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't have to replace a car every four years Mm -hmm. unless you have to replace a car every four years. And then at that point, I'm saying, okay, you know what? At about the third, fourth year, (laughs) the third, fourth year Mm -hmm. of replacing a car, you got to do better with that car. Yeah. You got to put yourself in a situation where you're able to own (laughs) the car and not have to keep buying the car just because you can finance something doesn't mean that you should. Right. Look, if our kids are at a disadvantage and we're saying that they we are not able to help them, um, you know, go to college if that's something that we feel the Lord leading us to do. Right. Mm-hmm. If mm-hmm. our kids are at a disadvantage and we say we we can't help them, we can't afford to to pay money. I was listening to. Um, oh, my goodness. When, he's a president um, in Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, I'm drawing a blank on, on his name. It's one of our uh, private Christian colleges. And uh, anyway, he was talking about how he has parents who will drive up to the university and they will say, man, this tuition, we just cannot afford it. There is no way we're going to be able to send our son or send our daughter here. Mm-hmm. And this is what this president of this university said, president of Christian University. He said, but I'm looking at the parents and he goes and they're driving up in forty, fifty thousand dollar cars. Mm-hmm. And he says and he says, I can't help but wonder to myself uh, what might they have been able to afford if they were able to forego the forty, fifty thousand dollar car? Right. Now you think about that in the context of what we're talking about today. When we say um, more black people are starting at a disadvantage, the question is, how is our family shaking out? Mm-hmm. What are we doing right now that will enable us to help our kids so that this sediment gets lifted up off them? Yeah. You know, if if yeah. we are burying our kids in our own debt mm-hmm. at some point we have got to stop yeah. at some point we have got to step back and say you know what this is not somebody else this is not slavery's problem right right you know during reconstruction in the years after reconstruction you're talking about upwards of 2000 people or more uh black Americans in the South involved in government, mm-hmm. involved in positions mm-hmm. of leadership mm-hmm. and, and trying to outrun the system that had oppressed them. Yeah. And so how do you have those individuals doing what is remarkable, even by today's standards? But yet here we are with all of these opportunities available to us. And we say it's somebody else's fault that we and our children can't do. Right. It's a mindset. It's a mindset because you have others who will come from other countries 
with the same skin tone that would do well, you know, because they, they figured they come into a country, a place where there's opportunity. And so their mindset is, let's go and get it, you know, yes. as opposed <laughs> yes. to I can't get it because, you know, this person has their thumb on me. You know, we see it in different communities. We see, you know, like out in California, the tech industry, you see a lot of, of, of the right. Indians and, and also uh, uh, Asians, you know, mm-hmm. I don't ever hear from them. Oh, man, I can't do I can't. You know, it's a mindset. And so I right. think that has to be changed, you know, to see that, hey, we we are living in a, a land of opportunity. Praise God for that. And Amen. the only thing that's really stopping you is you. And you can sit back and, 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 you know, say, well, there's a system that's rigged up against me. But I'm seeing many people, um, you know, overcome what's called that's the system, right. you know, and doing some great, great things, you know. So I, I just don't buy that. No, I don't buy it either. And I, I think if the system is rigged, then you got to outwork the system. And I would tell you, and with respect to our Lord and to our Savior, Jesus Christ, but there, there is an untapped factor here that the Lord God is sovereign. Mm-hmm. And I refuse to allow myself to be a victim of an unseen system when I know the Lord. Amen. I know the Lord. I'm not going to say that I'm bound right. by this system. I, I, I think, yes, we need personal responsibility. I'm not even so much. I'll tell you this. I am not so much into this philosophy of pulling one up by one's bootstraps. Mm -hmm. I actually think that that points to a lot of uh, independence away from God. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that's where we need to be. I think that our country has historically secured the blessings and the favor of God because we have depended on God. Mm -hmm. And I think you'll see the same thing reflected in families. Will, when Mm -hmm. families turn back to God, Deuteronomy chapter eight, you see the Lord pronouncing a series of blessings and woes and all All of the blessings revolve around remembering that I'm the one who caused you to to not thirst. I am the one who provided for you. I am the one who allowed you to build houses. But if you forget that, Mm. if you forget that, then you've got a series of woes that are then pronounced. And I'm going to tell you, I think not only in the black context, but Mm -hmm. I think in America at large, we are in many cases living in the midst of that series of woes where we have forgotten what makes us great. Yeah. We have forgotten how we have been blessed and we are getting the result of it. And let me tell you something, Mm -hmm. although it may, it may affect different cultures differently. We are all affected by rebellion against God. We are all affected by failing to acknowledge God. So I will say this and and I want to get your take on it. Mm -hmm. Well, at a very basic level, Mm -hmm. if we want to see things change in our families, you want to be able to leave an inheritance for your children. What I'm saying is get back to fearing God and acknowledging that it's he who gives you the ability to get wealth. Yeah, 100 percent. And look, as a Christian, we can't be a victim and a victor at the same time. You know, either one or the other. And so if we're constantly calling ourselves the victim man and then in church we're saying we have the victory what what does that mean one's got to cancel the other one out that's right coming back on the other side of the break more with my husband will the great this is stacy on the right we'll be right back this is just a minute with stacy washington Normative behavior is defined by reference.com as the standard of correctness that follows the rules of society. Who or what governs what is normal in society and how we treat each other. News stories show a fraying in what is considered normal. Let's face it, our norms are under attack. We now regularly see elected officials call for violent protests and the word resist has become a clarion call for uncivil behavior. It is not normal to harass people in public period. It is not normal to incite violence against people that we disagree with. 
It's not normal to react to the truth with violence. Degrading our norms can only progress if we allow it. And make no mistake about it, each of us has a choice on whether or not to join the mob. Stand firm in refusing to allow the destruction of our norms by speaking the truth in love. If that is rebuffed, shake the dust from your feet. I'm Stacey Washington. Find out more at StaceyOnTheRight.com. St. John 1 and 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Remember in the Word when Jesus was responding to Satan's antics? When Satan was trying to tempt Jesus with food, Jesus responded with himself. He responded with the Word. There are no new tricks in Satan's book. At the end of the day, his job is to create fear and doubt, and you know, steal, kill, and destroy. So if Jesus, who was fully God, responded to Satan with the Word, why do we think that we can get along without the Word? The Bible says, study to show thyself approved. Equip yourself with the Word daily and watch your response to Satan's foolishness change. One of my co-workers, Pastor Joseph Parker, teaches that it's good to read at least three chapters a day. Sounds good to me. Today is a good day to start. With a heart for the Urban Family, I'm today's Urban Woman, Tony Johnson. Connect with us at UrbanFamilyTalk.com. Back to Genesis with Dr. John Morris, scientist and president of the Institute for Creation Research. Dr. Morris, in an evolutionary sense, what do the terms advanced and primitive mean? Crisp primitive animals are thought to be those that evolved long ago, which gave rise to more and more advanced types. Single-cell organisms are the most primitive, and then marine invertebrates and up to fish, amphibians, mammals, and eventually man, the most advanced of all. Within each mammal type, evolutionists say that the more advanced ones are the ones that are modern, but extinct varieties were hardly primitive. Chris, the whole concept of primitive advances an evolutionary idea which is wrong on the face of it. Evolution did not happen. God created each basic category, much as we see it today. None is more advanced than the other. Each is complex. And that's the way I see it from a Back to Genesis perspective. Visit our website at icr.org. I'm Chris O'Brien. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right. I'm Miki in for Stacy. Thank you so much for listening. I'm joined by Will the Great Addison, my husband and co-host of the morning show, Aaron the Addisons, heard on Urban Family Talk weekday, weekday mornings, 6 to 9 Central. You can check it out when you have the time. If not, just keep it locked to Stacy on the Right because she's going to cover all the things that we cover and more. <laughs> <laughs> which is why I listen when I can every now and like every every now and then I have to also read take a break and homeschool my kids <laughs> welcome back to the show thank you so much for listening again want to remind you that we have the urban family talk conference coming up August 17th and 18th it's just right around the corner go and get registered at urbanfamilytalk.com mm-hmm. well will yes. is she or isn't she I came across this article uh, on Jane Fonda mm-hmm. who's got a new program where in this series, uh, Grace and Frankie, I think is uh, the name of the, the the series that she's in. And reportedly, she has refused to say um, Jesus Christ mm-hmm. on the show. Mm-hmm. And excuse me for, for saying that even in reading. Um, but she says that she refuses to say that as it's been written in her script because she doesn't want to take the Lord's name in vain. Hmm. Okay. Jane Fonda. Yeah. She is refusing to say 
the Lord's name because she doesn't want to take his name in vain. And uh, she says that it's because of her Christian faith. Mm. Well, of course, this grabbed my attention because I didn't know that Jane Fonda was a Christian. So I start reading a little bit more into the article. And and that's my question that I want to present to you. The question is, is she or isn't she? Um, And let me get into a little bit more of the information that might provide a little more backdrop Mm. (laughs) for us to kind of explore what it means to be a Christian. Okay, so here's the article. It says this. The 80, uh, 80 year old actress who is a two time Academy Award winner and former fashion model and political activist. We all know that um, has talked about her Christian faith on her website, revealing that she grew up as an atheist before finding God, though she does not follow organized religion. I'll keep going. She said, quote, over time. And I feel because I stepped outside of established religion, I was able to rekindle the spiritual experience that I'd been seeking. Some will say that because of all this, I am not a true Christian. So be it. This is what she says. She says, I feel like a Christian. I believe in the teachings of Jesus and try to practice them in my life. I have found Christians all over this country who feel as I do. And then she says this. They may not be saved yet. She said, but they are, they hum with divine spirit. Hmm. They may not be saved yet. They hum with divine spirit. Uh, she goes on to say, my faith is a work in progress as am I, but I will plant my flag on the belief that God lives within each of us as spirit or soul. Okay. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Let me just stop there. Okay. And and just so so your thoughts when you hear that, are you going, oh my sister Jane Fonda? Mm, are you going? Mm. No, I'm trying to check it out first. <laughs> uh, that sounds yeah. confusing. Sounds like she's a, it is she's confusing. Confused. You know, yeah, spirit humming of the what? What was she saying? I yeah. Mean, you know, yeah, I, I, yeah. I think man is 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 uh, noble that she would not want to use the Lord's name. Take the Lord's in name. Vain, in vain. Amen. You know, yeah. and, and that she f- believes the teachings of Jesus. But then on the other side, it's kind of like, uh, you're, 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 you sound very confused. You sound very confused yeah. at what you're saying. And, I, and she sounds like she needs some real discipleship. Now she says that she's not a, a follower of organized re- religion. I think that's what she said. She needs to be in a church yeah. <laughs> where she's getting yeah. taught biblically. Because it sounds yeah, like absolutely. she's left to herself and kind of making her own assessments. And that's coming mm. out in what she's saying. And she's not mm-hmm. going to grow like that or, be, you know what I'm saying, become a, a true Christian. And she said that people, yeah. did she say people are Christians, but they're not saved yet? That's what, Well, actually, she said, I, I see people who may not be saved, yet they hum with divine so they, spirit. They, they may not be saved. saved they hum, what is, I would they have to hum, ask her, what does that mean? To hum with divine yeah, spirit. I, what are you talking about? And I think I, I don't know. some people need to walk alongside her and ask her some questions. But if she's not involved in any any type of you know church or anything, that's not going to happen. Yeah, I I really think that what this points to is uh, spiritual mysticism. Yeah, that's what where like. a lot of people believe mm-hmm. that they are Christian. It's almost it's almost the religion of Oprah mm-hmm. where you can kind of take aspects of what you like mm-hmm. but deny the totality of the truth of the claims of Christ. Right. You know? And I think it's as subtle but as destructive 
um, as someone saying, I believe that Jesus is my savior, but he's not the savior. Mm. Look, you're not a Christian. Mm. If, if you if you claim to be a Christian, you must understand who Jesus claimed to be, yeah. that he is the only way to God, mm-hmm. that there is no one who can come to the father except through Jesus Christ, that if you are not found in Christ, then the wrath of God remains on you, the Bible teaches. And so when I hear things like this, I think this is good because you have a person who is showing a reverence for Christ. Mm-hmm. And, and often we can decry a lot of the movies and TV shows that disrespect our Lord. We know that they would never do that to any other organized religion. But Christianity seems to be always sort of fair play for mocking. Right. So I commend her for that. But I think as a Christian, what we should not always be looking for is a celebrity endorsement of Jesus Christ. Right. We should not always be looking for a celebrity to say, well, he's all right with me Mm -hmm. for us to feel better about our beliefs. Because when you dig deeper, you get, you know, spirits humming with the divine. Right. Right. I I mean, (laughs) you know, I, I just I just see that as a problem. And I think you're right. You know, while we think it's lofty to say that we're not a part of organized religion, not being a part of any type of organized religion, Mm -hmm. at least as it pertains to Christianity. Right when we talk about orthodoxy, I think gets us in trouble. Right, right. We can rely on orthodoxy fel- according to the scriptures. And fellowship is a, uh integral part of, you know, being a Christian, having a koinonia. Absolutely. You know, if you don't have that, I don't know what her surroundings are like. I don't know if she yeah. goes to a Bible study or anything, but it, it does not sound like she has any ongoing discipleship relationships happening, and that's detrimental uh, to, to her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I agree 100%. And so, look, let me say this, because I don't want anybody to hear and think, oh, you know, there go the self-righteous Addisons just, you know, not rejoicing with Jane Fonda. We don't want people to be kind of saved. Right. <laughs> Do you understand what I, if you really love a person and you really care about the eternal mm-hmm. state of their soul, you want them to have had a clear presentation of the gospel. You want them to know who Jesus Christ is. You want them to know the claims that Christ made of himself right. and the requirements of uh, coming to God through Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. You want them to know that so that they're not kind of saved mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because anybody who knows the truth knows that there is no such thing as kind of saved right <laughs> you you either have eternal life in jesus christ or you don't yeah yeah you you either appropriate the finished work of jesus christ or you don't and you have to then pay the penalty for your own sin that's right that's right in jesus christ our penalty is paid for by him so we have to appropriate his righteousness our culture gets triggered by appropriation <laughs> Yeah. Our culture doesn't like that. Yeah. But I'm I am so grateful for the finished work of Jesus Christ because you have to actually appropriate <laughs> that work, right? You Christ's righteousness must be applied to your sin debt. If it is not, then the wrath of God remains on you and you still have a debt that you yourself have to pay. Mm. We don't want people to be kind of saved. Yeah. We don't want people to be kind of like Jesus is Lord. We want people to know the truth and by that truth be set free. Amen. Can I make a quick shift here? Yeah. This is just really interesting to me. Kind of a um, a little bit of a, well, let me not even say that. This is interesting. This is the headline that grabbed my attention. And I want, I want to warn you, it's a little bit comical. But I, I give you this warning, Will, because I don't want you to laugh out and then somebody write in a letter and say, <laughs> that's not funny. Uh-oh. 
but there's a little bit of humor in it. Okay. All right. Just a little bit. And then we have to come back to the sobering moment that, you know, we don't want to live in a country where people are physically threatened or that there is an attempt to bring bodily harm against someone. Okay. Okay. So Maxine Waters. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, Representative Maxine Waters got a package at her California office um, that was labeled Ann, A-N-N-E, Ann, and the last name Thrax, T-H-R-A-X. Okay. So she got a package Mm -hmm. at her California office that was labeled, it was addressed to Ann Thrax. Yeah. Yeah. Now, no one was harmed. Mm Mm-hmm. No one was injured, and I do not at all, I do not at all think that it's funny to threaten people, but I see this as a little bit of mocking because of, you know, Maxine Waters. I mean, everybody familiar with her calling for harassment by uh, liberal progressives, Mm -hmm. calling uh, for liberal progressives to harass conservatives. I wonder if this is a little bit of a, you know, I don't know. What are your thoughts on this? Oh, man. I <laughs> look. I have a package for Mrs. Anthrax. Yeah, Mrs. And, and there's no Mrs. Anthrax, anthrax. That, that works there, right? So, um, no. Okay, no. <laughs> yeah, I, no. I, I'm, you know, to be sober. You know, we don't. Yes. I wouldn't sure wish that up on anyone because you know, man, that's some crazy stuff, man. And packages. Right. No, you're absolutely right. And stuff that's right. Like that. But man, it, it's almost a thing of she is one that like to you know strike matches call and light, for threats yeah light yeah. fires you know consistently like she she she's done that you know and uh it's not right for people to send things to her like that but it's almost like if you live by the sword you die by the sword you know what i'm saying like mm-hmm. that's the kind of stuff you're gonna receive back i think you know yeah, especially I, no, in the type of right. climate that we're living in right now politically it's it's a mess you know yeah and so it is it's, it's sad that some that someone would do that but man, you know, and I'm not saying like, oh, you deserve this. But man, you got to no, think about, you know, the kind of stuff that you're putting out there, the, th- the kind of things that you're saying. If you see them out there, yeah. you know, yeah. start a, you know, and I'm like, man, come on, yes. man. You know, and, and it's ridiculous. And I, I hope all this kind of stuff would tone down a little bit. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah, tone I down. agree. I'm telling you, we, we are really, truly living in um, some of the most volatile times that we've we've ever lived in. And I think with the technological advances that we have at hand, it's really difficult for it to tone down. I think because you always have someone who's going to cycle through again and share a video or, you know, conjure up a feeling that a person has um, on an issue that doesn't allow for us to just get along. I mean, the average person who is walking through the grocery store and just wanting to pick up a bunch of bananas is not looking at the other person getting a bunch of bananas and saying, I hate you. Right. That's not happening. But you watch mainstream media and you would get the picture that we all hate each other and we're just waiting for opportunities to pounce on one another. Mm-hmm. And it's just not true. Yeah. I think people like Maxine Waters, unfortunately, um, brings out the worst in individuals uh, within whom the worst can be brought out. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, you understand what I, it's got to be there for it to come out. Right. I agree. You know, and it's, and it's crazy, you know, what people would do concerning politics, you know, and, and and having different parties and, you know, I'm on this side and you're on that side. And it's like, man, I, I don't know. I, I'm hoping that a lot of this stuff would, would tone down. And I'm not sure that it mm-hmm. will. 
you know, even with, you know, our president, you know, he's a, he's a certain type of personality. And so he'll get on Twitter, he'll say some things, you know what I'm saying? So I don't know if this stuff will ever tone down. But man, yeah, I'm just hoping. That's unfortunate. I'm just hoping that you know people are not injured because when you when you can't go to a place without being harassed and all that kind of Come stuff, on, what, ha- what happened to uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders and yeah. you know that kind yeah. of stuff, man, man, that's that's ridiculous. You know, when you think about where we live, you know, that that kind of stuff, I believe, should not be happening here. You know, but yes. because of the rhetoric and the things that are being said, you know, that that's like uh, fl- uh, fuel to the fire. And so, yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Let's end on a good note. I, I've got this story, and I think that this is um, just a, a great high note to end on mm-hmm. and, and to give glory to God. Uh, you've got a pastor, Pastor M.L. Massey, who uh, started Cry for the Persecuted Church and now lives with his family here in the United States. He's talking about what God is doing um, in the Middle East and what he is doing in the Muslim world. Mm. And Massey said that the gospel is reaching many in the Muslim world. And he said, even if Islam is growing worldwide due to high birth rates, he said over six million Muslims each year become Christians in Islamic countries. And this is what he said. And I thought this was remarkable. He said, many Muslims are making decisions to convert and not necessarily because of reading the Bible or even because of a preacher. He says that many of these Muslims are reporting that Jesus himself is visiting them in dreams and in visions. And he also said that many of these Muslims are coming to faith because they are experiencing miraculous healings that these people and and he he goes through where he talks about one woman um, who was paralyzed and in real time as they are praying for her she begins to stand up and starts walking praise God let me just tell you something (laughs) that is amazing well I want to give you your final words on that I mean is that not extraordinary it's awesome man I think it points you know to what Jesus has always done you know like he's he's come to to save those who are lost he's Heal the Amen. sick, raise the dead, all that stuff. And we see it in the Bible and we read it in the Bible and we need to believe it. Amen. Man, what a great way to wrap up this hour. We've got hour two on the way. A conversation with Troy Anderson, the author of Trump Apocalypse. We're going to talk about the end times president, a battle against the globalist elite and the countdown to Armageddon. That's hour two of Stacey on the right. Come back and join us.